0: This is George G, and the time is right. Welcome to today's guest, the strong and powerful Eric Rehm. Eric, are you ready to do this? Yeah, George. Let's do it, man. All right, let's go. Eric is a professional speaker. He is an author. He's helping overwhelmed and busy professionals cut through the whirlwind of their professional lives so they can rise above chaos and discover significance and peace. Eric, excited to have you on. Tell us a little about your personal lives, more about
1: your work, and why you do what you do. Oh, wow. Well, uh, I'm a professional speaker, I'm an author, I'm a podcaster, uh, and I just went through my own journey where I was trying to figure out, George, what I wanted to accomplish with my life. I mean, I went through a period where I was very frustrated, had a lot of talent, had a lot of energy, but I just lacked purpose and it was just frustrating, man, you know, and kind of hit a rock bottom of my life where I just was not crushing it in most areas of my life. And it was at a point where I should have been in my mind. Anyway, I had this kind of, I don't know. I was actually talking to my daughter about this yesterday. She's 19 and it's kind of fun to to watch her go through the process. Cause I remember when I was that age and she's got all these ideas of where she should be and no patience, you know? And so I was kind of like that. I was very frustrated. I was comparing myself to people my age. It just seemed like everybody was just doing better than I was. And I had uh, really was not doing well in the marriage department was not, not doing well in my career, was not really doing well with my family and just got to a point where I was just really frustrated, man, and just had to figure some things out. And, you know, fast forward where I am now, uh, I'm 49 now. I hit my, uh, so it's 2023, 2005 uh, when I hit my rock bottom. And I just kind of went on this journey, this journey of, you know, I got to figure some things out because when I hit my rock bottom in 2005, um, one thing I realized at the end of the uh, where I was basically suspended for a week for my job at the end of that week long suspension, I realized I still had my family. I still had my, my job and I still had, and I was gotten crossways with my dad who was the best man at my wedding. Him and I were best friends. We got into this huge fight where I literally laid my hands on my father and threw him out of my house. It was kind of a really embarrassing moment for me. And I got to the point where I just uh, realized at the end of that, that I still had all those things. But if I wasn't going to change then who knows where I would be. So it went on really this 15 year journey for me to figure some things out, to kind of figure out how can I cut through the whirlwind I was experiencing? How can I rise above this chaos? Cause I don't know if you experienced this George, but it just seemed like uh, I always was getting this point where this phrase came very common to me. Like, well, once I get through this, once I get through this, well, Every time I got through something, there was something waiting for me in the other end of it. It just never stopped. And I realized, well, I'm going to have to f- figure out a way to combat this, or it's just going to chew me up and spit me out. And I want to be alone at the end of it. So uh, once I figured that part out and I ended up becoming a professional speaker at the other end of it, one of the things I decided to do is I wanted to pass this on to others and I wanted to get the word out there and I want to help as many people that I, like as I could to get on the other side of this thing. Cause there's a lot of people that I've run in with and I've interacted with they're right where I was, you know, and it's sad to be there, but you don't have to stay there. And so that's my lifelong mission. It's what I want to do. It's what brought me here today, man.
0: It's such a human thing, right? such a human experience to say, you know what, this isn't going great, but once I kind of grit my teeth and run through this wall, it's going to be okay. But what happens is, to your point, we find more walls one after Mm. another, so we need to do more work. There's deeper work to be done.
1: Yeah. I wish it was walls. (laughs) <laughs> it was way worse than that, my man. Uh, just a straight up thunderstorm where you'd have no sense of being where you are, where you're going. You have no sense of of direction. I mean, that, the walls would have be, been, at least I'd have, had, I'd have been grounded. And I was like in perpetual vertigo, my man, uh, just trying to figure some things out. I was on a path of destruction. And so I was leading a destructive lifestyle. Uh, I call it the beast. You know, the beast is an unknown force that just seems to get in your way. You know, when you feel like that. Uh, you finally got some momentum in your life, but you just shoot yourself in the foot. You do something stupid. You say something stupid. It's like, why do I continue to do this? I got in this pattern I couldn't get out of. And there had to be something different. It had to be something different. Or there's no way life is going to be like this for the rest of my life. And I was only you know what, probably my early 30s. So I had a lot of life to go. I still got a lot of life to go. I'm like, man, I I don't want to continue living like this. But the good news was, is that uh, I, I had my health I had my energy I had some pretty good people in my life at the time that I could connect with and I knew there would there had to be a path I just had to figure it out yeah yeah you know, and and sorry for uh, for using
0: the term wall because probably tornado with thunder and lightning and cows and shit flying around <laughs> through it was, was probably probably yeah. more appropriate and I I, I do think that there's a lot of us that, 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 that are feeling that way mm-hmm. so what is what is the starting point?
1: How do I when what, what I'm feeling like I am at that rock bottom in that shit storm? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, you know, it was funny because one of the things I did when I I got suspended because my I was in a leadership position at a young age. I was on a fast track to uh, really probably becoming a superintendent or a general manager. I worked in the utility business at the time. So um, the product the problem was, is that I was in a leadership position and I just got out of the military. And I was treating folks like soldiers, you know. In the military, it's just you know you're trying to survive, and so I had not really made that transition yet. And they were having none of it, so they reported me. They said I was I was abusing my power, which I was. I mean, I was treating them. They were civilians. They they weren't carrying weapons. They weren't going to battle for crying out loud. I needed to calm down. And so they, when they basically said, "Don't come back to work. Spend that that week on your you know going through this this process," I went through. I. Found myself in a. I got in a car one day on a Monday when I, I normally would go to work. I don't know about you, George, but I'm a routine type of guy, and I needed to do something, so I had to get in that car. I felt like I need to get in that car. I needed to drive somewhere, so I just told my wife I'd be back, be back a little bit later, and I took a drive. And I found myself at the time I lived in uh, Loveland, Colorado, northern Colorado. Have you ever been there? Have not. You Ever been? In- yeah, yeah, it's beautiful. So I took a, for- a drive, and uh, before I knew it, I found myself in this small little town called Naiwat Colorado. Colorado. It's about 15 minutes outside of Boulder, about 45 minutes from where I lived, long enough where I could get away, but short enough where I could get back if my wife needed me. And I sat in this little coffee shop. It's in this picturesque little town, right downtown Colorado. Think of a Hallmark movie. I mean, this was like a Hallmark set, right? And it was this beautiful little coffee shop, kind of owned by one of the locals. I grabbed a cup of coffee. I sit at this cute, quaint little table that overlooked the downtown. I just started sipping some coffee and just thinking about my life. By the end of the week, the thing that I realized I lacked was I lacked some level of significance in my life. And what I realized is that you know when you when you have if you don't have purpose you've got energy but you don't have purpose that's dangerous a person with no purpose is dangerous and that's where i was i had energy and talent but no purpose so i i lacked that and i was dangerous as a result of it i needed to get some purpose i needed some kind of significance in my life so where would i begin well one thing i did i've always read and i truly i truly believe this being an author now that when you write stuff down, something magical happens. You know, we get in our heads a lot, George, right? I mean, we live in our heads. And sometimes you just got to get that stuff out of your head and on paper. And when you get it on paper, it starts to detangle your thoughts. It starts to help you focus a little bit. So I pulled out a piece of paper. Nothing prompted me to do this. It was just, I had to start somewhere, and I decided for the first time to write down, you know, what does a meaningful life look like for me? You know, really, what is it that I want to get out of this life? I'd never really kind of put it on paper before, so I just laid it out there. This is where I want to be. This is where I want to be in my career. This is where I want to be with my family. This is where I want to be personally. And I just started writing some things down just to kind of give myself an idea. That was the first step for me just on a foundation of, okay. let me see where I can take this thing. So the first step, I think, for anybody is if just write down and ask yourself, where do you want to be? And it's funny because then that turned into a a five year vision was turned into a 10 year vision. And what I've learned. uh, Do you have kids, George? I do. Yeah. How old are your kids? Uh, Six and three and one on the way oh my gosh, dude, you are knee deep in it. So you know this now as a, as a young father, right? You know that the the days are long, but that three-year-old, are you kidding me right now? The days are long, but here's the thing, man, the years are short. That six-year-old right there, uh, girl or boy? Two boys. Oh, two boys. All right. Well, that six-year-old, before you know it, you're going to be sending them off to college. It's going to happen tomorrow. So uh, five years happens really quickly, whether you want it to or not. And it's going to, and time doesn't stop. You know, one thing that I talk about in the book, when I lost my sister, it was a very profound moment for me. My sister and I were very close. And one of the things I realized when I was flying home to her funeral, um, and I, it was actually, it, it was sad for me, but also it gave me really good perspective. When I was on that plane flying home, it was like my world had stopped. But in reality, the world didn't care. The world just kept going. You know, mm-hmm. The world keeps going with or without you. And so if you don't take grab a hold of it, And least have a little bit of a vision of where you want to go, and I think the vision has to be in three areas. It has to be how you, uh, what your avocation is, right? Uh, You know, what's your vocation? What's your vocation? So how you're going to make money? We all got to live, survive. We all got to, you know, live. So that's number one. The second area it's got to be you personally. You know, uh, because you got to think about what is it that you truly want to carve out for yourself. And the other part's got to be with your family. Now, for you and I, we've got kids, but some people they're single, they still have a family. It could be close sister, brother, could be your mom, dad, could be a really close friend. We all have people we think as family and carve those things out. And so I think that's the first step, man, it was just you got to start to visualize where you want to take life. And then I run through a whole methodology of what to do, that, do with that once you get it. But that's the first step.
0: I think it's such a powerful thing.
1: And everything you'd said and talked about really resonates
0: with me a lot. Energy and no purpose is a very, very dangerous thing. And it's particularly mm-hmm. when you're a really capable person, you're of a mm-hmm. military background, you're used to being in positions of authority, but with without that rudder, it is it is it it is a very dangerous thing. And I can I can certainly identify with the value of putting pen to paper and just the cathartic experience of of thinking about it and writing about what is it that i really want because it seems mm-hmm. so obvious to talk about but i know that i didn't do it until i was you know
1: in my late 30s also um <clears throat> so such a powerful thing mm-hmm. yeah yeah and i'm really into biographies and i love listening to biographies and it's so funny because these biographies when you list these people that are very successful they all go through the same process you know and when they just they had all this energy in the world, all these things they wanted to do, but to know really path to get there, and they, there was a period of time where they just went through a frustrating period. Some of them do really silly things. I was just reading about Tim Allen, uh, Home Improvement, mm-hmm. uh, the guy who started that. He was in prison. You know, he was doing drugs, and he found himself in prison because that was the result of his rock bottom. He didn't, you know, he couldn't get out of it until you know he kind of got stuff back on track. But he went through that process. I'm reading uh, Barack Obama's. Um, biography right now. And I'm in that part where he said he wished he could go back to his former self and just tell his former self to relax, dude. Just relax. <laughs> you know? Um uh, and so um I ran Let's <laughs> Armstrong's, uh, you know, Ronald Reagan's. I just love reading these stories. And they all have that same, it's almost like Hollywood penned it, right? It's all that same process. People to listen to this podcast right now are knee deep in it. And when you're deep deep in it, it almost feels like Man, uh, I got to get out of it really fast. or I I hate that I'm going through it. In some ways, it's necessary, I think, for you to experience a little bit of that friction, a little bit of that conflict. Also, make a few mistakes, hopefully not life-changing. Sometimes it is. But what my dad always taught me, my dad was a lifelong police officer. He said that never trust a person without a limp. Right. So so if a person's not walking with a limp, they haven't truly lived, you know. If you see someone who's walking perfectly, no scars, nothing like that, then you know you're dealing with someone who hasn't experienced life. So it's okay to kind of go through and make some bad decisions and get some scar tissue from it. That's just part of life. Nobody escapes it. But the key is though, you can't stay there forever. Right. It's one thing to be in that situation and figure out a way to get out of it. It's another thing to be there perpetually. And that's the key. We don't want to be there forever. Yeah, certainly we all have things, probably
0: a lot of things that we're ashamed of that we have regret for. And that's, that that's okay, to your point. But what's not okay is, is just languishing in it and wallowing in it. Because even if you don't have a family to our to, to, to your point, there's still people who are depending on you and relying on you. And I, I don't, how, how do you think? I
1: guess I was going down the path of that we owe it to or certainly ourselves, but to others. How do you think about that? Yeah. Well, I I think that's how you define rock bottom, you know? So I open up my, my, my talks when I do keynotes and stuff on this very topic. One of the things I open up with is that um, we all hit our rock bottom moment, but I don't define rock bottom as what happens to you because things happen to you. That's just life on planet earth, right? You're going to hit with financial stuff. You're going to be hit with stuff you can't control. My son was in a car wreck yesterday, in fact. Uh, And so I um, uh, was not, I had a whole day planned. wasn't expecting that. You know, you can't help that. That stuff happens to you. Rock bottom for me is when you let the people down that are closest to you, right? Mm -hmm. So that is rock bottom because I believe as human beings, the one thing that we need more than anything that we feed on is the relationships that we have good, bad, or ugly. We feed on those relationships. And when you let those people down, that's rock bottom. And so that's why I think that, uh, and that's what happened to me when I was letting people closest down to me, that's, that's usually when people get themselves in trouble, because when you start letting people down to me, that's the, that's the very essence of what it means to be a human being. And it's hard to, to remedy that unless you're intentional about it. Yeah.
0: So we're gonna. We don't have time to cover all the different steps in in, mm-hmm. in in your process. I'm curious. Today, do you still write? Is that still part of what you sort of daily habit or a weekly habit?
1: Yeah, actually, I go through phases because there's different phases of my business. I've got. Uh, I actually created my own publishing brand, and so one of the goals I have is to write a new book uh, every two years. One because it's part of my business being a speaker. But two, uh, I love the power of transformation that goes through it. And three, it forces me to evolve. So I've actually started the process of formulating the next book idea I have coming out. It's called The 21st Mile. In fact, I've, already, I've actually... Um, oh, you met Gregory, right? Uh, the film producer from yes. Canada. Yeah, he's actually probably going to come down to where I live in Indiana. We're going to start filming a docu-series based on this book. Um, but I do write... Uh, I don't write consistently. Uh, There's phases where I don't write consistently, consistently because I have some other projects I'm working on, but I'm always communicating. So it's not necessarily always writing, but I'm always either speaking or doing something creatively that takes the stuff out of my head and brings it out to the world. In fact, every Wednesday, in fact, Wednesday is my favorite day of the week because it's the day I keep blocked off to be creative. So tomorrow I'll be working on my own podcast and some things on that, um, some new, um, not some new, but updating some some speaking gigs that I'm working on. So I have that creative outlet. But when I start the that new book, uh, the 21st mile then I'll pr- probably go through a nine month period where every day probably starting around 5 am I'll write consistently every single day and I I gotta tell you that that's my fa- that's my happy place my happy place is when I'm writing if if I could wake up every day and do nothing but write and I'd be okay financially I would definitely do it for sure because it's that uh transformative it's that purposeful and it's it's that healing for me to do that I love it. Is it ever too late
0: to be exploring these kinds of things?
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Everybody should. You know, uh, I do journal once a week. So I do a, uh, in the book, I talk about doing these personal retreats that I think is very important. I think you should do a weekly retreat, at least one or two hours. I do mine on Sundays. I think you should do a quarterly retreat. Uh, That's two days where you totally separate. And then I recommend doing an annual retreat. In fact, I just finished my annual retreat last month and I got on a train in Indianapolis and took it to Seattle crossed seven states and three time zones took me 3 days to get there and just totally just got deep into my head and my soul to pour out these things but what was cool about it was I would go back George and I would sift through my my journal and I, it's almost like going back and reading my my life story and going back and looking at the things I was struggling with, I was going through at different points of the year, and it reminded me of some things that I'd forgotten about. And I think it's so important to do that. You know, I'm not saying you have to be, sit down and like, hey, dear diary. I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about just take some time to write some things that are on your head, in your head, and ask yourself some fundamental questions on a weekly basis. You can get any type of journal that asks you some of these these questions to kind of get you started, but just doing it weekly. I don't do it every day. I do it weekly. Just doing that is also very important as well. Yeah. Yeah. yeah
0: I think that there's a lot of wisdom there. and rewarding funny useful to go back through your old musings as well so yeah yeah
1: and it's hard to read my own handwriting in fact i have one son <laughs> his name's ryan and i always make fun of him and tell him like dude did you write with your left hand because his penmanship is horrifying but my wife reminded me he's like yours isn't that great either and oh, she's easy, right buddy. Sometimes, I re- sometimes i read my own stuff and i'm like oh my gosh I, it's hard for me to read my own stuff
0: it's, 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 it's your own cryptic language. So, so nobody else can read your secrets, Eric. Yeah.
1: And what was kind of interesting too, is, uh, I was listening to, uh, I listened to these autobiographies on, on my headphones. Cause I like to walk. Um, I, I walk every day for about 45 minutes just to listen to stuff like that. And he was talking about, he wrote his book in longhand. Hmm. And so th- he just found that even better to be able to just write things out in longhand. I think he's uh, probably his that's that's his age coming out, right? <laughs> you know, not, I, even I couldn't do that. But um, you know, he found that that was very cathartic for him to write out in longhand as he was doing his book. In fact, it was so cathartic for him that uh, I haven't read. I, I I think he has two volumes. His biography is actually two volumes, which is unbelievable. Who's that? Barack Obama. Oh, okay. I didn't yeah. realize that. Yeah. I read all the presidents. I don't, I don't have a political affiliation, so I don't want this, but I read all of them. I read both sides. I just, I'm just fascinated by <laughs> totally. people that, uh, you know, made an impact.
0: I love it. Well, Eric, thank you so much for coming on. Where can people learn more about you? Um, Eric is a professional speaker. So if you are an organization or a company um, or you're a conference that is in need of speakers, please do consider Eric. So where can we find your speaker information? Where, where can we find the book? Where can we find the podcast?
1: Yeah, I think the best place, just go to my website, ericreem.com. It's spelled E-R-I-C-K-R-H-E. E A M. George, I am the only Eric Ream in the world. So if you Google me, there is no other Eric Ream. I think my mother, bless her heart, uh, she must have been forward thinking when she gave me that name to realize that someday that was going to be important for Google purposes. There you go. Thanks, mom. <laughs>
0: Well, if you enjoyed as much as I did, show Eric your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas, go to ericream.com, E-R-I-C-K-R-H-E-A-M.com or just type in Eric Ream into your favorite search engine and he is the one and only um, Can make, and make a connection. Thanks again, Eric. Hey, thanks, George. I appreciate it, bud. And until next time, remember, do your part by doing your best.